This is the Hugo Award-winning SF Signal podcast. I am your host. My name is Patrick Hester, and I'm an author, a blogger, a podcast dude, and I have a brand new ebook out. It's called Cahill's Unfinished Business, so you should go check that out. Last year, I and my co-host on Functional Nerds, John Anilio, were invited to travel to Chicago to attend Capricorn 35 as media guests of honor. I had such a great time thanks to both the folks behind the scenes and the awesome fans who showed up that weekend that when they called and said Capricorn 36 is coming and a whole new host of folks are going to be descending upon the Westin, would you help us promote it? I said, sure, why not? So... Capricorn 36 is going to be at the Westin Chicago North Shore. It's going to be February 11th through the 14th. There is a website, as a matter of fact, that you can go check out all the information with. I believe it's capricorn.org, if I'm not mistaken. You can go there, find out all the information about uh, the exhibits and the art show, the panels that are going to be there, the legendary parties that happen at night. And uh, you might even want to see my guest tonight, who's going to be doing a bunch of stuff there. And he actually, he knows exactly what Barfleet's all about. So that scares me a little bit. Uh, <laughs> he, he is a guest of honor for Capricorn 36. And I'm going to read you a little bit about him. Uh, what if you could relive the experience of reading a book or watching a show for the first time? This Capricorn guest of honor provides just such a thing on a daily basis on his websites. He's got Mark Reads and Mark Watches, where he chronicles his unspoiled journey through various television and book series. Since 2009, he has been subjecting himself to the emotional journey that one takes when they enter a fictional world for the first time. He mixes textual analysis, confessional blogging, and humor to analyze fiction that usually makes him cry and yell on camera. Since its inception, Mark has covered series such as Harry Potter, The Hunger Games, The Lord of the Rings, and genre favorites like Buffy and Angel, Avatar, The Last Airbender, Battlestar Galactica, and Veronica Mars. Marshmallows. Marshmallows. All of this earned him a Hugo nomination in the fan writer categories in 2013 and 14, and he has no plans on stopping anytime soon. Somehow he has also written the first book in a YA trilogy set in a pre-dystopian world, and he's determined to fill a lifelong goal to pet every dog ever. I'm talking about Mark Oshiro. Mark, thanks for joining me tonight. Thank you so much, Patrick. Uh, it's wonderful to be back on your on SF6. It's fantastic. <laughs> That's right, because y- you and I were chatting about it. We, we've we've had you on before. Yes. That yes. Was, that I, was... also, I also realized my bio makes it it's like there's that point where there's a very direct term where it sounds like I'm going to take over the world. And I'm like, I don't know that that's actually <laughs> one of my plans, but let's take over the world of dogs, maybe. What are we going to do tonight, brain? <laughs> I miss that show. I miss that show. Have you seen that article going around about how it was too smart for television? Oh, my God. it absolutely it, was. It was. It was. It yes. was. It was fantastic. I loved that show growing yes. up. And and the um, because and actually, Pinky and the Brain. If you look at the whole thing, right? Yeah. The Animaniacs, just as a whole. I mean, so much good stuff came out of that show. Yeah. Yeah. Those were. It was a very subversive cartoon universe. Yes. I love yeah. those, though. I love it. And, and I actually read an article not too long ago that talked about how uh, animation and animated movies specifically, they, they, they can't just appeal to kids. They have to put things in there that are going yeah. to appeal to the whole family. Yeah. And so they'll put things in that the kids don't necessarily get, but the parents just laugh their butts off about. Yeah. 
But you know what? I think that there was a precedent set with that, especially because if you look at a lot of the animation that is popular today, shows like Adventure Time and Gravity Falls and Steven Universe, you know, you've got things where there is a subtext that people who are older are going to understand better than the children. And I honestly, without a lot of the early 90s cartoons, I don't think we would have a lot of what we have now. Hmm. I would agree. I'm very, yes. Especially Batman, the animated series. Yes, yes. Yes. I am the knight. I am Batman. <laughs> oh, he, Kevin Conroy. He's the, he's the voice, isn't he? Yes. Gotta love him. And, and who knows? Who knows what would have happened to Mark Hamill if not for the Joker? I know. I know. Oh, Mark Hamill. We have to spend some time. Um, I'm excited. It's somewhat relevant to actually the what the topic of the podcast. One of the things I had begged to do uh, to be on at Capricorn was the panel about Star Wars. Because as many science fiction conventions that I've been a guest at or I've attended, I haven't been on a single panel about Star Wars. And so <laughs> given that it is uh, somewhat popular these days, mm-hmm. um, I was like, you have, you have to put me on a Star Wars panel. I don't get to talk about my Star Wars fandom history as much as I do other things, as much as I should really. Interesting. Yeah, I, I almost had the same kind of experience in that they put me on a Doctor Who panel at Capricorn. Yeah. And so I was ridiculously excited to be on a Doctor Who panel. Yeah. And then uh, it was funny because Mile Highcon then put me on a Doctor Who panel there, and I was ridiculously excited there, too. I was like, woo, I'm on Doctor <laughs> Who panels. <laughs> Isn't it great? I, it's really nice. And, I mean, I think that's something that's really cool, specifically in the science fiction community, is the fact that you can just – you can have these moments where for an hour or an hour and a half, all you get to do is just be a nerd about this one thing that you love. And, you know, and obviously we can go up in depth into the reasons why you love and are a nerd of this specific thing. But, um, you know, I think it's one of my favorite things uh, about going to these conventions is getting the chance to, you know, sort of unabashedly love something in public and meet other people who yes. love the same thing that you do. Yes, absolutely. That That's the that's what we always talk about here on the podcast. And, and, and actually, that's something I get to do every week, give or take. You know, I, I get to sit down and talk to people about the these kind of nerdy things that we all love. Yeah. And I, I, I part the, one of the reasons why I started this podcast in the first place was I wanted to bring that panel experience into people's ears every week because not everybody can afford to go to a to a convention all the time, right? Yeah. Exactly. And and that's one of the reasons why I, I always encourage people look locally. There is a local or a regional convention near you. In this case, Capricorn, you know, is is there in Chicago. Yeah. And and it's a perfect little con, right? Why wouldn't you go? Yeah. You're going to meet I, people who yeah. like what you like. You're going to be walking through the halls and you're going to see that person wearing that costume or wearing that thing, whatever it is, the Doctor Who yeah. scarf, right? Yeah. Or or they're wearing the brown coat or something that triggers you going, oh my gosh, these these are my people. It's cool because I, you know, so last year, you know, the uh, when you went, I that was my first time at Capricorn as well, um, and so it's always it's, uh, and I'm sure you can understand this, especially when you're going to a convention that's not in the city where you live, and you know, you know, you're going to be a place where you might know people and you might know names and you might be familiar with some of it, but sometimes you're going to these things and you actually don't know anyone who's mm-hmm. going to be there, and so uh, it can be a little nerve wracking, and it was such a great atmosphere. Um, you know, and so when they had asked me like, oh, would you like to come back and be a guest of honor? I was like, I mean, I would come back anyway, but yeah, I, I, I had such a blast last year. It was fantastic. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, and, and obviously I had Anelio with me, so I, I, I did have an anchor. So, you know, if something, if something, you know, if I needed 
uh, a close friend, I had Anilio right there with me, right. which is always yeah, great when you go great. to a con. Yeah, it is. It is true. Sure, but but I just felt so welcomed by everybody there. It was it was really nice, and I made a point of going to as many of the panels as I could, and I you know, and I played magic with some people in the game room and and all that kind of good stuff. So, yeah. Uh, so you know, bar set. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so what? Let's let's talk a little bit about what you're going to be doing, and then and then we can yes. talk some more about you. Yeah. Um. So. So I mean, the Star Wars like panel, the, obviously. The Star Wars. I mean, that's all I'm doing. Actually, I'm just going to repeat the same panel like ten times throughout the convention. I wouldn't even. I would have enough material forever. Um. Uh. And and related to that, it's it's. Uh. I love the sound effect that's happening. That's me. Are you doing that with your own voice or? I, that's me. That's, that's a, me. That is a skill. <laughs> I hope that's on your resume. <laughs> that is totally me. I've been able to do that for years. Yeah. I can do no such sounds. However, I have a giant Star Wars tattoo sleeve on my right arm. Nice. So I was like, if I'm not put on this panel, I will be there and be very loud about the fact that I automatically qualified. Well, to be- I, I have two sound effects I can do. That one, that's one of them. That's Darth Vader. <clears throat> and then, <clears throat> excuse me for a second. So I, I can also... <clears throat> Obviously, that one's harder for me to do vocally. Yeah, but as you can see, I pulled it off. So I I agree. Yeah, my brother and I used to have um, <laughs> chewy fights as kids and see <laughs> each other. You're much better than we were. <laughs> I will admit that. Um, well, uh, so, uh, I got to throw one more out because I know you're nerdy and I know you like to yes. watch these things. Uh, <clears throat> so here's the only other one I, I do a decent job with. Um, let's see here. I am Optimus Prime, leader of the Autobots. It's very dignified. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. So, okay. So, so at this let's point, see. the folks at Capricorn are going, shit, I know. why did we do this? Why? I don't know. We're, we're technically promoting it. <laughs> um, uh, so let's see. I, um, what? I have so many things I'm doing. So let's talk about – so this one was borrowed. The idea uh, – I'm, I'm actually going to read the email because we already have an email thread, all the folks of us who are on it. There's a convention called Marcon, and they've been doing this thing called the Adult Mad Libs. Um, so I sort of have this really bizarre reputation for reading terrible things at conventions, um, uh, from fan fiction to, I'm a huge fan and I'm doing fan in quotes because it's sort of an ironic fan of, uh, Chuck Tingle who writes those terrible thematic smut things that are awful. They're little short stories, about 4,000 words a piece. Yeah. Um, and so at, at numerous conventions, I, I, I read terrible things. And so, um, Wendy Zadowski had this idea of doing, you know, Mad Libs for adults. And so I am going to be taking passages from um, very famed science fiction novels um, and also from some filthy things. And we are going to be doing Mad Libs for adults. And I'm very excited about it because I just love getting a bunch of adults in a room and then we all act like we're eight years old. Like I, That's just a good idea in general. Oh, it's so um, Yeah. You know, I, I, I like that Capricorn has some very – actually very serious – Sort of almost academic level programming, sure. but then basically this is like a verbal fart joke for an hour and a half, <laughs> and it's great. It's awesome. I love that they can exist side by side. So and they can, um, they can, and I like conventions that are like you know what we can be silly um, about the things that we love as much as we can be serious. You know, right. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's yeah, it's that kind of uh, atmosphere there. Um, so this, I guess, this one is both serious and silly as well. 
But I'm doing a panel with my friends uh, Helen Montgomery and Leanne uh, Verhost called "Judging Books by Page 119," um, <laughs> which is, you know, the theory is is a book is can you learn everything you need to know about a book by the 119th page? Mm-hmm. So we're going to have I don't know what the books are. That's the beauty of it. I don't know what they're going to be giving us. They will be giving us books, and we will only read that one page and then try to guess uh, the, the the novel. So uh, that's fun and exciting. Um, that which is, is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. I um, will get you know get to have. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm I, I'm excited about this because you know I, I've been running Marquis and Mark watches for. Oh my God! Um, this August will be six. No, I can't even add eight years. You know, uh, and it's really cool that it's starting to pay off, and that you know I'm getting invited to conventions and whatnot. So uh, at Capricorn, I will have my first panel about myself on a main stage nice. ever, my nice. whole life, nice. which awesome. is like I feel like that's an accomplishment. It like is. that's a that's a thing that I feel like I can brag about. And it's like, look, I, I I've made it. I've made it. <laughs> I love hey, that that's right after Mad Libs, though. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what. I mean, uh, to this day, people, you know, I'll be at work and, and I'm trying to get a cup of coffee. And they're like, no, there's a line. I'm like, hey, I was a guest of honor at Capricorn, right? God damn it. Right, but that, you know Do you know what? who I was? <laughs> I believe it. But it, it is cool. Like, And I mean, it, it's neat that so many of these different conventions will, will recognize the work that you do for the – greater science fiction community more or less like you know and and it's it's uh, it's a very flattering thing and and i like that everyone sort of has each other's back and you know they're bringing in new people as well as people who've been working for a long time in the you know in this community and it's awesome i like it yeah yeah um so i i also get to bring one of my panels to this so i've been doing this panel for two or three years now um and it has the cutest name of all time uh i do a panel at different conventions called Queer Eye for Sci-Fi, mm-hmm. uh, which I am. It just tickles myself that I was clever enough to think of that name. <laughs> but uh, uh, it's really neat because a lot of the conventions that I'm going are are, are you know inviting me to attend to them um, specifically because they want to uh, attract an audience who is not necessarily the demographic you would expect uh, for science fiction. And it's great because one of the things I like about Capricorn, which uh, at least for me, how much more diverse it feels than a lot of the science conventions i go and how open they are to like no we're just going to do all kinds of different panels um and so we're having a sequel last year we did queer for sci-fi with my friend mari and my friend andrea ha- uh, hawkins kemper and we're coming back and we're doing it we're calling it season two <laughs> that's how these things work i think that is one of the big reasons why i like capricorn it's nice to go to a place where i do there were i actually was lucky enough that there were familiar places people or faces excuse me people like mari and andrea uh, you know, uh, people like uh, Dave and Liz McCarty, and it's it's great that there are people that I knew there, but I was still a stranger to this to that specific community, and it is awesome to show up to a convention and everyone is so nice and excited to see you, and even if they don't know who you are, they're like, who are you? What do you do? Tell me more about yourself, and and that's one of the things I I adored about Capricorn is is there's there doesn't seem to be that usual sense of like gatekeeping where you have to kind of prove yourself to like oh are you a are you a real science fiction fan they're like no come on in it's a big party yeah we're we're doing mad libs we're adults you know <laughs> yeah no so it's cool I, yeah absolutely yeah. i mean like that's why i said I, I i felt incredibly welcomed there yeah and and everybody was scrambling to get me cannoli yeah oh yes 
Yes, I've already been told multiple. I'm like, because I'm gonna uh, I, next week. I go to Confusion in Detroit, mm-hmm. and yeah. on my way back, I found out it was cheaper to take a train to Chicago, spend some time in Chicago, and fly out of there. And everyone's like, "So you're gonna get cannoli, right?" And I was like, <laughs> "I mean, uh, eventually I'll get it there." And they're like, "You shouldn't do anything else." I'm like, "Oh, oh, okay." <laughs> That's a little tense. It is very good though. So it is. Yes, it yeah. is. And so, it, it, and, and so. It, it, it's just it's a great environment there's there's yeah. tons of wonderful people uh i actually walked the dealer room several times and just was talking to the different people there because i always find that really interesting you know to just to see the people who are there selling their stuff and and there were authors like uh like lauren who were were selling their books there lauren um yeah. oh my gosh i'm gonna forget the last name jen kowski yes you know just selling books sitting there you know have a table it was in in and so you get to sit down and talk with them for a second you know and 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 they're so excited about just meeting people and 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 sharing what they've been working on so yeah. it's just a great environment i loved it and the parties were insane yeah yes yes <laughs> yeah and yeah we can, well let's get into that afterwards uh i mean after we we talk about yeah we have to talk about the parties um let's see what else am i doing um uh, I have a panel about diversity in in writing and media with literally all my friends, and it's great that I and now I'm at a point where I'm like I recognize all these names. All, we're gonna have a blast. Um, I'm doing a panel on. Uh, I'm very excited about this one because I a lot of people don't know this, but I've actually been a professional uh, community manager since I was 19 years old. I, I help. Uh, initially, it was different companies and bands run. Uh, you know early versions of social media and their fan forums. Um, so I have a lot of experience about running online communities. And um, so I'm on a panel about, about fan feuds and social media and about whether the rise of social media has allowed fan feuds to fester. Do they burn out faster? Is it like a sort of quick thing where like these fights happen and then they're over in like a day or two? Or is it, you know, so it's it's very interesting. I know every single person on the panel, um, including, I don't have you met Michael Lee before? He helps run uh, Convergence. No. I don't think so. Oh, my God. He's one of my favorite people. And I've never – wait. Have I been on a panel with Michael? I think I have. Either way, I'm very excited about that. And then yelling about Star Wars on Saturday <laughs> evening. A wonderful thing. Um, and then I end the convention uh, on Sunday with a panel I did last year called Random Panel Talk It. Excuse me. Random Panel Topic. Uh, and it's all of the ideas that were submitted as panels. And the rule is, is you randomly pick one and everyone has to speak on that panel for five minutes. Um, and it's all, it's sort of like an improv game wow. and it's, it's really fun. It's especially because there are people submit really weird panel ideas. And I know we were talking earlier before this started about, you know, you're getting, you're, you're going to be able to see, you know, the other side of running a convention. Yes. You know, and now that I've seen it, uh, having worked with the Arisha folks and I have friends who help run conventions, Really weird panel ideas. <laughs> really weird ones. So I can't wait to bullshit about something I don't actually know anything about. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. So, so one of the, one, the only thing that I didn't, didn't like last year was I, you know, I, I thought it was kind of odd that they yeah. had the, the media guests of honor shoveling snow outside the Westin. So, you know, if they, if they want you to shovel snow, I would just say no. I, here's the thing. I would say yes because I live in California and we don't get it. So when I see snow and I see people like you know shoveling a sidewalk, I'm like, let me do oh, it. Oh no, I was I, I grew up in Fresno. No, there's no. Oh my god, did and, you really grow yes, up in Fresno? Yes, I did, and we'll talk about that in a second. But I just wanted to clear, they didn't make me shovel snow. Yes, I grew up in Fresno. 
I'm, I, I will publicly commit to the fact on this podcast that if you ask me to shovel snow, there is a 90% chance that we'll actually do it because snow brings me so much joy because I don't live in it, so I don't have to deal with it. Yes. I mean, you're, you're, you're in a snowy place now. Yes, I am. I'm and, sure it is, and, it is and, very annoying. Yes, and what yeah. I've always noticed is that the people who love the snow are the ones who don't have to drive up I-25 to get to work in it. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I love it, and I don't ever have to deal with it. It's great. So, yes, I grew up in Fresno. Why was that such a huge deal? Um, I've, uh, you know, so I grew, I was born in, down in Riverside, California, um, and I had relatives up there. So I've, I've been to Fresno like 60 or 70 times in my <laughs> life. And it's just one of those places where it, it, I don't expect people to be from it at all, <laughs> ever. I just don't. But or to admit I, it. Or to admit it. That's what I Well, it's okay funny. that you admit it because that means you got out of Fresno. Well, and it's funny because Beth Cato is is from just you know down the down the block from Fresno, really, and we're like both San Joaquin Valley, and that's where we both grew up, and it was hilarious because we started talking about that. Yeah, I I we moved to Fresno in the uh, late seventies. Wow. From Chicago, actually. And, wow. And uh, lived there until ninety nine, and I, the only reason I moved it was Christmas of nineteen ninety nine. I moved for a job. Wow. Yeah. So you wow, you spent a significant time in Fresno. Uh-huh. I graduated from Fresno High. I'm this is the coolest factoid I've ever learned about a person. <laughs> I mean, it's early in 2016, but so far in 2016, this, this is the coolest fact <laughs> I went, learned about someone. Went to my first science fiction convention ever in Fresno, and it was actually a it was a Star Trek fan convention that they had <laughs> at a at a, a hotel there. Yeah. Uh, bought my I comics. Miss. Bought my comics in, in both Fresno and Clovis. Clovis, don't even start. Oh my God, I've oh that's this and is I, wild. It's taking I, me back. And I worked for a company that had branches in Fresno, Merced, uh, Bakersfield, San Luis Obispo, Visalia, and then we had extended kind of family branches in uh, Stockton, Modesto, Santa Cruz, San Jose, all up in the north there. So and see that there's so many of those cities, and and that's the thing is because when people hear about California, they think San Diego, L.A. You know, San Francisco, all the the stuff like that, and they forget there's that whole swath in the middle, um, and people have no idea what it's like to live there. It's so yeah. much different to live in Fresno mm-hmm. than to live in Los Angeles, and people like culturally, it's just so <laughs> radically different. Um, and and I just find I just find it fascinating. Well, and my aunt lived in San Jose. Uh, yeah, they they all worked for Tandem Computers up in Cupertino. Yeah. And and I used to take in the summer I would take the Greyhound bus with my grandmother from Fresno to San Jose. And let me oh. tell you, if you've never gone through Gilroy in the summertime on a Greyhound bus, you haven't yeah. lived. Uh I I have. I'm I saying that sarcastically. Yeah. Um <laughs> So, uh, do you mean to say that in terms of the blistering heat, or the fact that all the garlic is baking? The everywhere? garlic is baking. God, it's so strong! Oh, it's my God. super strong. I mean, I love garlic, so I actually kind of enjoy that trip. Uh, I don't enjoy the heat though, because that heat in that valley is—it's mm-hmm. intense. It's very intense. And then you head you head towards Bakersfield, and then it's cow patties and heat. Yep, and that's yep. not a pleasant smell either. Yeah. I had someone recently express excitement because they were driving from Los Angeles to San Francisco, and they're like, I get to drive up the 5 freeway. I'm so excited. I'm like, no, you're not. You are, that is a lie. Don't be excited. It's, it's, once you get after the grapevine, it is the worst drive for like three half hours. It's the worst. And they're like, why? And I'm like, you don't, you don't understand. It's through the most visually boring uh, part of California. I, I mean, I have a lot of friends who grew up in, in you know, in the, in the up in the high desert in Bakersfield and, and up in Fresno. So there's parts of those places that I do actually like. But um, I'm like, it's not what you think it is. It's just <laughs> flat. 
there are like 10 prisons and cows uh-huh. and fields. And it smells like broccoli a lot too. Yep. Which is usually the cows too. <laughs> and I remember riding my bike across uh, I-99 to go into Fresno County to my friend's house. Wow. And his, his dad would not let me ride home because he was afraid a coyote would get me. <laughs> I... Patrick, I just want you to know, I bet you did not expect, when you woke up this morning, that you would talk about coyotes and the 99 highway <laughs> on your podcast. Nope. But here we are. Here, here we, we are. are. Yeah. yeah it's, it's great. I, I, you know, and this is why I always tease people and I, and I say that I can talk shit about California because I grew up there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things, right? It's like, it, it's, it's my family and I can talk about them, but you can't. Exactly. Kind of thing. And, exactly. And and that's why you know I also I, in Chicago and 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 talking to Joe and, and Miranda and Doug and all the different people and John uh, about Chicago you know I grew up there too I was born in Chicago and we lived right on the border between Cicero and Berwyn and oh, okay. uh, I went to a school in Cicero my dad owned a restaurant right on Cermak Road and all the folks in, in Chicago were going hey I know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> yeah yeah oh you used to live in Cicero you don't want to go there now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I used to live in Fresno, and guess what? You don't want to go there now. <laughs> yeah. So that's um. Yeah. Uh. So I don't know how we got so far off. Of <laughs> we the got top off track, but that's Capricorn. okay. So so but yeah. So, otherwise, here, here, here's other my than, question. Here's my question yes, for you, Mark. Yes. You're going to go to Capricorn. I am. You're going to be standing at the door, and you've got two choices for dinner. Oh God. You've got the Bourbon Bar Spears, or you've got the Winery Coopers. Which okay. which way are you going? Okay, I'm actually going to tell you a story, and it's I'm going to embarrass myself with the story. You are allowed to laugh. Okay. Uh, last year at Capricorn, I was standing in the lobby. Um, I, you know, since it was my first time there, I actually went to the uh, the tour at the beginning to see the, you know, where all the, you know, rooms are, find out where all the party's going to be and whatnot. Sure. Um, and uh, my friend Leanne was the tour guide of it, so we're standing in the lobby and whatnot, and everyone's like, uh, uh, she was introducing here that here are the places you can eat in the hotel or whatnot. And I look at her and I say, well, why don't we go outside and eat at Twin Peaks? Um, there's a Twin Peaks restaurant out there. And she just kind of looks is, at me and she's like, I don't think you want to go there. I don't you think don't know a- what it is, do you? I've never, I've never <laughs> seen it in my life. So hold on. I'm going to make it worse. So she's, you know, she's staring at me. She's like, I don't, I don't think you want to go there. And I'm like, why? I love that television show. And she's like, <laughs> so now the entire group of people, they're all staring at me with this look on their face like, Oh God, like no one's even laughing at this point. And I'm like, why? What's, what's the matter? I don't understand. Like, do none of you like David Lynch? What's going on here? And my friend is just like, Mark, I think you specifically won't like that place. And now I'm like, I feel attacked. I don't understand what she's talking about. So my friend Jesse's like, no, 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 we can't do that. And I'm like, why? Why can't we do that? And she just leans over and she, she whispers, it's kind of like Hooters. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> I just deflated, completely deflated, embarrassed. And I turned red and everyone is just, I mean, it's a lot of people staring at me. So uh, I will be going to Twin Peaks while we are there every single day. If you'd like to join me. Now I am actually somewhat curious to go there. Uh, but uh, I, I don't. I don't even remember the two restaurants you gave me at the beginning of this question. They're right across there. Uh, it's the, there's a bourbon bar, bur- bourbon yeah. bar, bourbon burger bar it's called spears i believe okay um, so they got all these different bourbon flavors that you can get if you're an alcohol person yeah. like a drink and then they pair it with burgers and stuff and then uh on the left hand side was the winery place 
Oh. And that's where they've got all the wines, right? And they kind of do um, a little bit of bar food, a little bit of Italian food kind of thing got going it. on there. There's also the Italian restaurant in the hotel. Yes. Which is okay. I would choose. Here's the thing. I don't, I don't actually drink. However, I will destroy a good burger. So I would choose the burger place. every yeah. oh every single time, and they were good burgers. every time. Yeah. Oh, good. Good so. to know. I didn't get a chance to last year. I was actually so busy. We got out once to go to some, and I can't remember. It's a very famous chain of of uh, deep dish pizza in, pizza in uh, Chicago. That was the only time I got out of the hotel at all. Like I was just so busy last year. But um, so Uno? I. It, it, what's that? Pizzeria Uno or Duo? Mm, Duo? No, mm. I can't remember. That's okay. That's okay. It's good though. So this year, Spears, that's my vote. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. <clears throat> so let's see. What else? So is it, we kind of talked a little bit about what you do, but we didn't really go into it. Yeah. So, so why, don't you, yeah. Why, don't you, why don't you talk about what it is you do and what's your website? Yeah. Um, so uh, I'll start this. You can find me uh, on uh, two different places. I have a website called markreads.net, uh, and I have another one called markwatches.net. Very self-explanatory by their title. However, a lot of people will come up to me at conventions or whatnot, and they're like, well, what the hell do you do? I don't understand. Um, and so I've devised a one-sentence explanation, and then I'll elaborate on it. But um, uh, I basically run a one-man book club, but I'm the only person who's never read the book. <laughs> and so people watch me, you know, literally watch me read a book or, or watch a television show. You know, I tell people, have you ever seen a show and you loved it? And you want to sit your friend down on the couch so that you can watch them enjoy it as well. Well, I provide that service for you. And I will pay attention <laughs> to every episode. And I will nerd out about ev each and every episode and, and do it in order. Um, I started it uh, in the summer 2008 on a bet. And a lot of people don't know this. But I was working at a media company in Los Angeles. And I got asked to attend Comic-Con in San Diego. And I was like, I would, I would love to go. It would be a delight. Uh, but my editor at the time said, uh, if you go you have to cover the Twilight panel. And I was like, well, I'm out. Nope, no thanks. I won't do that. But I ended up going and, um, and through, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll cut the, short, the story down, but basically I met a lot of Twilight fans. They said a lot of very, very interesting, intriguing things about this book series. And I thought, you know what? I think maybe I don't understand what this book series is and I've gotten it wrong. So when I got back uh, to Los Angeles, my editor really enjoyed the coverage that I did for Comic-Con and said, you know, he made this offhand comment as I was leaving his office and was like, you know, I think it'd be really interesting if you read Twilight and wrote about it. And I was like, that's a terrible idea. I would never do that. <laughs> and so I created this blog a few days later called Mark Reads Twilight. Just, and I would send, I would read one chapter because I was so busy with my job. I didn't have time to read the book in one sitting. So I would just read one chapter a day and then just write about it. And I would send it to my office mates and we'd have a good laugh. And about halfway through the first book, the internet found me. <laughs> we were talking about the power of the internet as you're yep. introducing this. So you understand, the internet found me. Um, and for the last, you know, seven and, oh God, seven and a half years, uh, I, I have been reading books and being professionally surprised on the internet. <clears throat> and that it's, is awesome. it's a delight. It's a delight to get to read. And, and I mean, ultimately what you do is I want to figure out why people love something. Why is it that everyone was talking, you know, because I didn't grow up reading Lord of the Rings um, or Harry Potter or any of these things. And uh, and I was very limited in, in terms of reading fantasy. I'd read more science fiction than fantasy. And I, I thought it was a neat way to say, like, hey, hey I want to understand why someone is obsessed with this series or why this series has so many fans. And so, you know, I, it's 
it's been a very surreal journey. This was not what I thought I would be doing with my life, but you know, seven and a half years later, I'm I'm getting invited to conventions. It's you know, and and it's it's the it's the coolest. I have a pretty cool job. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's it's a lot of fun. So so the watch part. I'm, I'm yeah. curious about you you because you mentioned in your bio Buffy and Angel. Yes. So have you gone through the entire both series? Yes, I finished both of them uh, in 2012. It took me about eight months to watch both of them, and I and I watched them also in airing order. So there was a point where I was switching between both shows so sure. that I could get as accurate of an experience as possible. Um, and I, I fell in love with them cause I'd never, my only exposure to Joss Whedon's work at that point was uh, Firefly. So it was nice to get a fuller taste of what his writing was like and, and what, you know, uh, his sense of humor is like for the, the you know, his shows. And, um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, they've, they ruined my life. As, <laughs> Have, did you, as shows do. Did you enjoy them? I did. Okay. I prefer Buffy over Angel. Um, but my favorite character uh, is probably Cordelia. We can Though talk. I, about, we can talk about that in a second. I, I, yeah. I, I can but change yeah, your mind. I, 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 I have a very. Uh, how do I put this? I have a very soft spot in my heart for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, and particularly, you know, I take it back. Maybe Tara is my favorite. I can't. I can't decide right now. <laughs> I can't decide. But yeah, it was a very meaningful show for me to watch. Um, and I, I. I think what was so cool about it was getting a chance to see something that was so subversive, not only about tropes, but the genre itself. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of the first thing that I'd ever, you know, sort of read and, or, or, or watched that was aware of the genre that it was in sure. and then either played to it or played against it. And uh, uh, it's, to be honest, it's actually a huge influence on my own writing as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean. I could talk for hours about Buffy the Vampire. <laughs> well, did, did you did you go beyond? Did you go into Buffy season eight and nine? And did you go to Angel after the fall? Pieces, pieces of it. I have not read anything significant in. I loved the comic. Um, oh God, uh, it was a Buffy comic, but it was about another Slayer, and I can't remember her name. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. That I really love that one. Um, <laughs> I've read bits and pieces of eight, and it was okay not my favorite thing in okay. the world. Well, here here's here's my here's my thing. So um best character throughout both shows. Okay. Wesley Wyndham Price. I'm I won't argue with you. Cuz I believe that Especially he had the best of, character arc. And that's the thing, man. It is so 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 satisfying to see character development like that. I mean, and I think that's Here's the thing that Wesley has that Cordelia doesn't is at least he has a satisfying ending. Yeah. Like I, and I think that's the, f- if we were comparing the two, despite that I love Cordelia so much, her, the way she goes out in season four is the worst thing in the universe. Yeah, I don't like it at all. But I, I, I can't argue with that. That is such a good answer. Like, God, he's so, oh, it's just when you see his first appearance on Buffy and then you compare him to where he is in season yeah. five, it's just, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, so he, he that whenever I talk to people, I, and a lot of times I'll say that, and people will look at me like I am absolutely insane. No. And I start saying, think about his character arc. Think about the yeah. things that he went through. Think about where he started and where he ended, and everything he went through in between. You know, and and how he became this this horribly damaged, yeah. yet incredibly badass character. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He went through he went through this this change over the course of the show. You know, Buffy 
changed, but she didn't necessarily change as much as Wesley did, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So I don't know. So and and there's there's always these moments for me in in some of these things, and and you know one of the moments for me with with Wesley is when he's standing in the park holding Connor. Yeah, and something happens, you know, and just, I'm not going to say it just in case people haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it, what the hell but are I you know. doing? But there's yeah, that moment, and you're going, you just go, "Holy crap!" Yeah, you know, yeah. and and it just freaks you out. So anyway, yeah, I, I was just curious if you if you had gone there. So uh, you mentioned that that this stuff has informed your own writing, and I don't know that yeah. everybody knows that you you are actually working on stuff and you're writing yes. your own stories. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's, you know, I, ever since I was a kid, I wanted to be a, a novelist. I used to write terrible ripoffs of, of uh, X-Files episodes and Goosebumps episodes because like, I was really in, in very invested in horror um, and, and science fiction as well. I was a big science fiction fan as a kid. Um, and it wasn't until I was in my late teens that I was like, you know, I really want to write a novel. But they were terrible. And everyone's first attempts at novels and short stories are just awful. Um, but the thing is, is, is it, didn't, it took me until I started – you know, doing Mark Reads and Mark Watches to get very serious about it again. I was like, look, you you shouldn't put this off. And part of it was getting to be, um, you know, getting to do critical analysis of other people's stories is one of has been one of the biggest helps for me as a writer. Um, you know, every single day I'm basically doing, you know, is I'm deconstructing what what character development and what we just did right now with Wesley Wyndham Price and talking about it. That's that's sort of what I do, but in like much smaller form because I'm talking about character development from one episode to the next. You know, and getting to see that over the course of a book series or a television series. Um, and so, you know, a couple years ago when I was like, I have this idea for a novel, I want to make it happen. Um, the planning of it and the executing of it has been easier because I feel like. I finally have the tools that I've always needed. You know, one of the c- common pieces of advice you'll hear from writers is that you need to write every day and you need to read every day. Yeah. Well, I've been doing it for over seven years now. Every day I am writing. Every day I'm reading. And so when I sit down to work on my, you know, on my book, it's not a matter of, God, I don't know what this feels like. I do. I do because every day I'm creating something. Even if it's analysis, that's still writing every day. So, um so that's one way it's influenced my work. Uh, the other way is that um, people like Joss Whedon, uh, N.K. Jemisin, Shauna McGuire, uh, who are writing stuff that is very aware of what the tropes are in the genre, uh, that has made a huge influence on me. Uh, we uh, you mentioned marshmallows before, but you know uh, uh, <laughs> Rob Rob Thomas's work on Veronica Mars, and I'm I'm now just started watching iZombie. Uh, oh, it's the same you, thing. It's oh, so aware, dude. I'm, I'm like. It's it's so, it's I'm like six or seven episodes in. It is so good. It is. I binge, so I binge watched the entire first season. And it's so good. It was. But wonderful. so you know, so you know, like that, like that, that style of writing is compelling, and I especially think it's compelling to people who are familiar with the genre because these are shows saying, hey, we don't have to tell the same story anymore. We can set something in a fantasy universe like M.K. Jemison does, and but we, can, I, I'm, I'm going to tell a story you have not seen yet. That's what what the what the power of that kind of work is and and why Buffy and, and Angel and Dollhouse have been so compelling to people is because they get to feel like they're 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 still within this this community but they get something that's different. And so for me it was very I was like look if I'm gonna do a dystopian novel, I do not want to do, you know, uh, uh, divergent part two. Uh, I don't want to do, you know, Hunger Games. I don't want to do something that feels you know, familiar um, to anyone. I want to do something that's not only challenge, challenging to write, but 
challenging for other people to read. And so, you know, it, it'd be undeniable at this point to, to not admit that, that doing what I do has been, you know, very influential on the, on the things that I'm creating. Sure. Well, yeah. and, and when you talk about reading every day, yeah. in, inevitably what happens is you're, you're chugging along on your own writing and you're, and you're doing pretty good and you're writing stuff and everything's going yeah. great and, and your mom says it's awesome. <laughs> And you're sitting there and you pick up some book and you start reading it and you just go, holy crap, where did this come from? You know. Yeah. And then suddenly you're sitting there looking at your own stuff going, I got to change this up. I, I have, to, I have yes. to be better. You know, it's like it's yes. like resetting the bar for you, really. There is actually, and the thing is I can't talk about what it specifically is, but there is a thing that I had planned. I had started writing the book and planning it out and doing all my research around the same time when I was reading um, the Newsflash series by Shauna McGuire for my site. And uh, in one of the books, and I don't even want to say which one because I don't want to name the exact moment, uh, Shauna did something. And I sat there and I quietly – I freaked out. You know, while I was uh, reading it, but I had a quiet moment where I was like, "You can't do this thing in your book because she just did it better." And I, and the great thing is, is I had a moment of like, "Well, shit, this is so much better than mine." And then it immediately changed to, "Oh, well, now you have to do better." And that was so cool as a writer yep. to be able to say, "I." can do better and then figuring out the thing that you're like nope now i'm going to change it to this and it makes more sense to the story and the greater story arc and so you're right like you know getting getting to read work that's like that feels transformative is, is such a cool thing because i feel like it makes it makes you a, a, a you know a better creator in a sense yeah and then there's also the moment where you're reading a book and you're going wow they published this yeah 50 <laughs> shades of gray um and uh, I want to I want to tell you real quick, Sean McGuire. Yeah. So Lauren uh, Lauren Panapinto is the art director for Orbit, mm-hmm. and she works with Sean on a lot of stuff. And uh, she said that she's gotten to the point now where she she knows better than to click links and emails from Sean. Yeah. Because uh, especially on like the because uh, like she'll send her pictures of tapeworms yeah. and, and all kinds of just gross gross stuff for for the, for those books and <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious because that's a very shunning thing to do. I can I can one up you there with a Shannon story. Uh, this past year on my birthday, Shannon invited me to Disneyland. We were both Disney fans, and yes. I had an annual pass. And she was like, "I would love to hang out with you on your birthday at Disneyland." And I was like, "I can't imagine it better." That's an amazing idea. So, setting the scene, we're in. Uh, I want to say it's called Carthay or Cafe Circle in Disney California Adventure. It's a, it is a more upscale restaurant than most of the places in 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 the sure. Disneyland property. Very nice. It's sit down. It's me. It's my boyfriend. It's Shannon. It's my friend, our friend Vixie. We're sitting there. We're trying to have a nice meal. She spends a good 20 minutes telling my boyfriend about all of the things that will kill you in Australia. (laughs) And as she's doing this, and we're Googling because we're like, I don't know what that is. Let's look up what that is. It are... It's, it becomes very clear that all of the families around us are listening to us. <laughs> and there was a point about half hour in where she's telling us about some horrible animal that she touched or picked up or went wandering. I think she was on a tour and she went wandering off the tour. And I look up and there are about 20 people giving death glares to our table. And uh, I, I was very proud of her in that moment. Very, very proud to be at that table. My, I have a couple of different Sean stories, but... But I think, I think uh, everyone be, does. Yeah, to be honest with you, the the thing is, she's basically told me in no uncertain terms. She said, um, very in, in in all sincerity, Patrick, uh, I'm never coming back to your fucking state because it's trying to kill me. 
your state. Yes, Colorado. So the first time she came to Mile High Con as a guest of honor, uh, she got altitude sickness. And and then oh, because God. everybody was telling her to drink more water because you're supposed to do that. Well, you're supposed to do that before you get the altitude sickness. Yeah. So yeah. then she basically got water toxicity poisoning for from drinking too much water. Oh, my God. And then she came back the following year for Pikes Peaks Writers Conference yeah. and is deathly allergic to a fruit, I believe, and, and had put that on there. And so they made very sure not to have that fruit on any of her dinner plates. Yeah. However, other people on the – at the table had it yeah and even that enough. even that was causing her uh i believe it's pineapple i can't or mango. remember it pineapple or mango it. yeah and so and so again she had to she had to be she had to leave the room and, and like do stuff and and so she's like i hate your state you're trying <laughs> to kill me patrick i'm not coming back there oh my god <laughs> Whereas I love your state. I love going to Colorado. It's wonderful. But I also don't have those sort of things that would, would kill me. Sure. And so. But I will, I will also throw it out there that, that one of my greatest moments and, and most favorite memories at a convention was being on a panel with Shauna McGuire. Yeah. And we were, we were doing the Warehouse 13 versus Eureka panel. And it was, oh, a, it was a game show. Yeah, it was a game yeah. show. And so the moderator would throw out an idea, and the Warehouse 13 people had to come up with who on the show would come up with the best solution to this problem. And then Sean and I were doing the Eureka people. And it was just a packed room, and it was hilarious, and we had so much fun. And and that is the coolest idea for a panel. That yeah. is one of the coolest things I've ever heard. And and I mean, Sean and I, I, I watch a lot of TV, but she watches more than I do. But we both knew Eureka yeah. pretty well. We both knew Warehouse Thirteen pretty well, and so we were we dominated, dominated that, that game. Good, as you should. Yes. Which brings us back to the fact that Mark is going to be a guest of honor at Capricorn Thirty Six. <laughs> Which yes. is just in a couple, uh, was it like 26, 27 days? It's like Valentine's yeah. weekend. Yeah. Are you taking your boyfriend? Yes, we are. It's going to be lovely. Awesome. Yeah, because there's nothing more romantic than Chicago in February. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, and it's funny because I was like thinking, like, oh my God, well, what sort of things? Because, you know, it's not actually in downtown Chicago. It's, it's out not. in one of the suburbs, yeah. too. So I was like, okay, well, what what should I do? And I'm so glad I told the Twin Peaks story because I was like, what if I take him to Twin Peaks? He's going to die. <laughs> it's going to be the worst or slash best idea. I think he'll appreciate it and it'll be the best idea of all time. He's currently napping on the couch so he can't even hear me. It's we have, great. We have, we have three of those places here because we, we do have the Hooters and then uh, we have we have Twin Peaks. And we also yeah. have think, something called the Tilted Kilt. I'm trying to, and they're all the same concept. Why that name? I I regret asking that, but why they they wear they wear short little kilts, and then they tilt them to, you? and they're tilted, yeah, because they're. I, I haven't actually this. been there. I'm googling it right now. I just want you to know. I, I may admit, regret googling it. So. But yeah, it's just, it's the same kind of concept. So. Uh, my, you know, growing up in, growing up in Fresno, I, I actually grew up in a, in a, in a, <laughs> in a Catholic household, but I, I gave it up for lunch. Yeah. And <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I, I'm actually quite easily embarrassed. 
And yeah. I, the job that I left Fresno for, I moved to Tennessee and I was traveling all over the South and going to different places. And I remember right. one of the first experiences I had in Atlanta, I used to go to these warehouses and I counted inventory. It was a boring job. And yeah. this, this, it was a, it was a husband and wife were running this store and I had to count their inventory. And they're like, we want to take you out to dinner afterwards. I said, okay. And they had their little daughter with them who was about nine years old. And they said, do you mind if our daughter comes with us? I was like, oh no, no, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with kids. Kids. Kids love me. Kids and animals love me. And they're like, great. You know, we want to go. And, and and she's already picked the place. And it's her favorite place. And this and that. And they took me to Hooters. No. And I'm sitting there. No. And all the waitresses knew the little girl. <laughs> and they they just doted on her and everything. And I'm just – and I am horribly, horribly embarrassed. I'm turning 10 shades of red because oh of Oh, my God. And, and I'm just turning that's red now and I'm just listening to the story. <laughs> and so, you know, it's like – if you, to be honest with you, if you if you want to shut me up completely and, and embarrass the hell out of me, take me to one of those places because I just okay, I can't exactly. function in those places. Okay. But that that I'm was you. hilarious. That was I'm, and I'm sitting there I'm going to fly you out to Capricorn just to take you to yeah. To, no, this is what you're like. No, don't even say that. Don't <laughs> joke. <laughs> but anyway, you're going to be at Capricorn. You're going to have a fun yeah. time. Is there anything else? Because we're actually running out of time. Is there anything else you want to tell the listeners before I let you go? No, this has just been it's it's awesome. It's so cool talking to you. You're, I mean, if I if I can just gas you up a little bit. I you know, I did journalism for many years and and have had to interview people. I mean, people I had to interview Will Smith once. It was the most mortifying experience of my life. <laughs> it is really cool to talk to someone who can just let a conversation flow and I cannot <laughs> believe like an hour and 50 minutes has gone by. It's felt like 10 minutes. So, you're fantastic and it's really cool talking Aww. to you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> You're like, that's it. End recording. Because, yeah, they, they only get to hear like 50 minutes of it. It's still, it's wonderful. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's, it is. I, and I mean that it's nice that, you, I don't know. Well, I could geek out about all the, the, all the different things. But it's just nice that you make the conversation, uh, you know, so easy to have. I very much appreciate that. Now shut up. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so uh, everybody should go to Capricorn.org. They should get their tickets if they're in the area and just go and, and hang out and go see Mark and, and go to all his panels and, and say hello to him and, and, and yeah. buy him a cannoli. You will have a wonderful time. Well, Mark, I really appreciate you coming on tonight. This was this was a huge amount of fun. Thank you so much, Patrick. It was so much fun for me, too. Thank you for listening to the Hugo Award-winning SF Signal podcast. Your host is Patrick Hester, an author, a blogger, and a functional nerd. His website is www.atfmb.com, which stands for All Things From My Brain. ATFMB is also his Twitter handle and where you can find him on Facebook. Our podcast is available for download every week at sfsignal.com or via iTunes. Look for the links to subscribe in the sidebar at sfsignal.com or search SF Signal in iTunes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends and have them tell their friends and their friends and so on and so on. Visit the Hugo Award-winning sfsignal.com for all of your speculative fiction needs. John D. and the SF Signal regulars offer up new content every day, from weekly mind melts featuring your favorite authors, editors, and artists from the SF and F field, to book reviews, original articles and essays, fiction deals, movie reviews, videos, links and roundup posts, and more. Click the RSS button in the sidebar of your browser to ensure you never miss a post. The SF Signal podcast is powered by the Functional Nerds. Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo?
Angry um, robot. It's like talking to a child. Magic wooey. Thinking and crap. I don't even know what the horseman is. And scene, you bastard.